friends! Welcome to episode 106 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level, I'm not Catherine Moore. You are not! Welcome back! <laughs> yeah! I'm Rob. I'm Sarah. Yes. So, uh, how are you feeling? Uh, a lot better. You sound a lot a better. A lot better. Yeah. Uh, it was touch and go for like an entire week of mm-hmm. just like running a low grade fever the entire time and right, sinus right. pressure every time I, I I bend my head over and it was just awful. So yeah, thank you so much once again to Catherine for uh, she did a fantastic job. She did an amazing job, amazing yeah. job. Uh, so uh, hopefully I'm not out of a job or anything like that. I don't. I do not think you are out of a job right now. So I will say that. But you know, I wouldn't blame you. She did do a fantastic. Job. She did. And, and she Ka- did. Catherine's 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 an amazing human being. So she is. Um, uh, a couple other notes. I know I put this out there in uh, Discord, but uh, I wanted to remind everyone that we do uh, really appreciate any uh, comments or reviews that you guys can give. If you stop by our website, uh, storytellerconclave.com, and look at any one of our most recent shows, you will see that we have a review button right on there. Okay. Uh, and if you're in our Discord, one of the recent uh, posts that I just did uh, has a link there as well that I think works. Um That'll take you over there, and I highly would we, we would very 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 much appreciate you guys going in and giving us a rating and a review, uh, and uh, that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, so it is the second Wednesday of the month. It is, and that means it's uh, system spotlight time again. It is. It uh, is. So our system spotlight this week is a game system that has been around for uh, longer than I have been alive. Uh, uh, ditto actually so (laughs) uh so and i i remember seeing advertisements for it in like a lot of comic books and stuff of that when i was growing up and i never really quite knew what it was it was always just kind of in the the periphery of uh of of my consciousness of gaming but Mm -hmm. uh never really got into it or all that much um and honestly i'll be dead on like up until very recently i didn't think the game system even still existed um, yeah, I mean, I had, uh, I remember when I was first getting into gaming, mm-hmm. uh, after I picked up my Palladium books, I was looking at um, all kinds of different systems, and the one that jumped out to me at that time, which was in the 80s, uh, that was old, was Twilight 2000. And this actually comes from some of those creators, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and sits within a, a similar, I guess... Uh, tactical feel and mechanical feel. Yep. yep. Um, definitely, there's a lot of pieces there that you can feel. If you've played Twilight 2000, Traveler has certain feels to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's common from uh, from creators. And to be frankly honest, this comes from one of the greatest, some of the greatest creators that created games. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and still do, so. We were... Uh, uh, I... Space operas were really never on my like my my, my radar. Um, I've always been more of a fantasy person myself, um, so leaned more heavily into the D and D and stuff stuff of like that. Um, but uh, they're they're very big on uh, on Sean's radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean absolutely adores the whole future genre, exploring transhumanism and such mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, post so, post scarcity in some cases. Post scarcity societies, mm-hmm. uh, post singularity societies. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, and just to kind of exploring all the social implications of, of what a far future, uh, you know, society, spacefaring society would would look like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I had a little bit of that. I mean, we've we've talked a lot about um, both of our histories with BattleTech. Yes, uh, yes. In the past, um, BattleTech was. I mean, I, I never got into D and D basically until <laughs> until I was in college. But like all of my high school years, it was never D and D. It was BattleTech the entire time. So yeah, yeah. I got a little taste for the whole spacefaring role play thing, mm-hmm. but. Um, it was actually Sean, uh, we got talking about, he says he wanted to run a, a, fu- a futuristic game, so mm-hmm. we started looking at what systems were available to do that in, and uh, Traveler was one of the big ones that came up. Yeah. And as we started researching it more and more and more, we realized just how deep of a history, yeah, and how expensive so, of a product line they have. I didn't know all the things that had touched this. I mm-hmm. knew I knew a few of these. So, for instance, it started in 1977 mm-hmm. with a very simple printed uh game black with red text on it like everybody thought it was very bold and very straightforward but uh the reviews came back quite well mm-hmm. um and then it wasn't until 10 years later in 87 uh that they did mega traveler and then 93 they did traveler the new era so that kept 
all within the same game designers workshop, the original company, and that yep. which was Frank Chadwick, uh, John Harshman, and uh, Lauren K. Weissman. Uh, no relation to another Weissman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually did digging to see if there was family there, but there is not. <laughs> there is not. Um, it then took a jump to Imperium Games with uh, Traveler 4, uh, which was Mark Miller's Traveler. Mm-hmm. Um, GURPS then, with Steve Jackson... Yep. did uh, GURPS Traveler. I, I remember GURPS Traveler, and I, think that I was also the, remember it. Yeah, that was the, yep. that was the one that like if you if you ask me what Traveler was, I'd told yeah. you isn't that isn't that a GURPS thing? Exactly, exactly. And a lot of people still thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, Quicklink Interactive, who I was unfamiliar with, did Travel Twenty. Uh, GURPS Traveler Interstellar Wars was picked up again in two thousand six by Steve Jackson. Comstar Games, no relation, no relation to the BattleTech, <laughs> to the BattleTech, uh, made Traveler Hero. Uh, and then Mongoose Publishing, which is the current publishing arm, created their first Traveler in 2008. Uh, yeah. In 2008, and then uh, revised it in 2016. Uh, there was Far Future Enterprises who did Traveler Five uh, into 2013, um, but uh, it's different. And in fact, uh, the community as a whole kind of decides which one is canon for them. Which yeah, is unique. But they seem, all still it support seems, it. Yeah, it's, it seems it seems really weird that like you've got so many different publishers all trying to make the same game, yeah. and then the community is just kind of gravitating to whichever one they wanted. Which know? is interesting. I, I kind of feel like Seven C is going to do the same thing between first and second edition. Oh yeah, and that you're going to have communities that are parallel, but who, they're they're making decisions. It's who's this, got second edition? Well, AEG still did it. It was okay. still John Wick. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, it's just they're so different. In system-wise. Gotcha, 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 and I gotcha. think there's going to be a little bit of separation there. But there's also a D20. There's swashbuckling. Ah, okay. So, which is a whole other thing. And then there's the card game, mm-hmm. which blows my mind still exists. Yeah. You know, as far as I'm concerned. I know the, um, the, the Warhammer community did kind of the same thing. Like, yeah. Like a new edition, like the 6th edition Warhammer came out. You know, there's, yeah. there were people who were like, nope, we're sticking with 5th, you know. I would have loved to see, like, a proper... And and, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm not totally mistaken in this, because I know Warhammer did a role-playing edition. We talked about that. Yeah, Um. Yeah. But like an updated D twenty system for that, and really see division, like mm. of how far it can go. But you kind of saw that with um, Warhammer when uh, you had uh, not squads, but um, the, ta- the the small team tactics. Oh, uh, uh, the kill teams and stuff. Was it before kill teams? There was something else that was right before that. Oh, you Mordheim? Was it Mordheim or are you some- talking fa- fantasy or forty k? It was it was fantasy originally. Yeah, then you're probably talking Mordheim. Yeah, I want to say there was something. Was Kill Team first or was Mordheim first? Uh, I think Mordheim was first. Okay, okay. Um, Kill Kill Team was basically just kind of a small skirmish sort of set of rules for uh, small scale 40k. That's fair. That's fair. So anyways, as of today with the 2016 second edition, which one we're talking about, um, it has a very large feel. It kind of, the book and design wise, it made me think about um, the more... Uh, classic games that we're used to, uh, Palladium and such, because there are, or, or even earlier editions of D&D, because you've got your core rule book, you've got High Guard, a vehicle handbook, a supply catalog, and the Traveler's Companion are the core books. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of core books. That's a lot of core books. It's yeah. surprising, but it is. The source books on top of that, which are their journals, blueprints, which are cool. I like mm-hmm. blueprints. I think that's a great idea. It reminded me so much of Battletech. Uh, and then their kind of world books make up another 15 books. Mm-hmm. Then you've got 24 adventure books and then the fictions and, and, and EPUBs beyond that. Sure, sure. Which is great. But like... It is a wealth of information yeah. for second edition well, <laughs> of, of this this version of it. So, and I'm not talking about any of the prior books or yeah. canon that's related to it. Yeah, uh, I mean, you, I, the, the thing is, though, you you still you still got 40 years behind it of of uh, of of, of uh, content that they're. Uh, essentially porting over to second edition, you know, um, so I mean, you've, you've, it's not like they're creating all this stuff just for second edition. It's that they've got a lot of stuff that they're just, they're bringing up to second edition rules, which, which I think is great. You know, um, I think one, you know, one of the, one of the big problems when, when uh, a game changes editions is that all your old stuff then becomes, you know, kind of obsolete. So oh God. It's, yeah. It's, it's actually nice to hear that they've got such a wealth of, uh, of material available mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, to potential travelers. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay, we've, we've talked a lot about the history here. Uh, what the hell is Traveler? Um, in, in its essence, it is a, um, it's a space opera game. 
Very much um, so. So Very just your, so. but but it covers a lot of genres depending on how you want to use it. Um, Traveler is one of those systems where it's, um, it has its own setting, but it opens it up to generic storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of serves both as a generic system and a specific system, um, depending on how you want to use it. There's a number of rules that are optional uh, to include in your setting or not, depending on how. Um, kind of what style of space opera you're looking to emulate. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you can go anywhere from, like, The Expanse, if you want to just do humans plus hard sci-fi. Yep, very much so. Um, Battlestar Galactica, if you want to go a little more heroic with it. Yep, um, yep, And, like, have big epic space battles. Um, There are psionic rules, so you could go Mass Effect with it if you want biotics. Well, and also Um, the, the whole multiple races, and there are additional races beyond humans yeah um and and those rules are definitely part of the core mm-hmm. there, there's entire source books full of aliens yeah, completely um, too i think uh you can uh you know you can you can really double down on a lot of the rules for like ship maintenance and mm-hmm. stuff like that and, and costs and loans and whatnot if you really want to go for like that firefly feel of you know we're always in debt skipping by on you know fumes on our gas tank to get to the yep. next planet to do the yep. next job um there's a lot of different ways you can take traveler Depending yeah. on which rules you use and which which ones you emphasize in your in your campaign, yeah. Um, all in all, uh, though, I think it's still a very like one thing you kind of can't get away from is that it is a very kind of gritty and um, lethal system. Uh, it it tends to be very unforgiving in combat, so you're not going to end up with uh, a lot of these like. Uh, heroic, you know, fights where you're just, you know, killing 50 guys and standing on top of things, waving, you know, waving the, 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 the Confederate, you know, or, or the, or not Confederate, but the, uh, uh, coalition, coalition you know, the coalition flag and, uh, uh, yep. you know, wielding a laser gun in your, with your shirt torn and, mm-hmm, <laughs> you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, that's not going to happen in this system. No, um, no, it, it definitely feels gritty. It feels real. Um, very real. Real the, is like the thing that it clings on to the most. If, if you, uh, if you're a fan of the expanse right now, I will flat out say if you're a fan of the expanse because of the way they handle physics, because of the way that they handle the realism, yes. that, bullets going through from the outside to the inside of a ship is super dangerous. Mm-hmm. Maneuvers that involve multiple G's and flipping around before you get home kind of a thing, or changing maneuvers, or just deciding that you're not going to go to the place that you thought you were going to go to, and that takes a lot of consideration and fuel. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the game you can lean into. Space is very big and very, very empty. And very unforgiving. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, another thing, if you're if you're a uh, a video, if you're a computer uh, player, uh, and you like Elite Dangerous, this is a system without a doubt that you could basically play Elite Dangerous, the tabletop edition. Oh, you absolutely could. They have mining. They have jobs. There's a, a rich community. There's high and low tech sectors. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all there. The setting is 100% ready as it is to basically be elite dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Complete with how far you can go with your jumps based on the ship, the tonnage, your engine, the ratings, every all the math your is already fuel done capacity, for you. Capacity, the weight of the ship, yeah. Everything's already done and it's honestly not that challenging. It seems it that way. And I think that's what really gets me at the goat with this is that you look at all this and you're like, god, how am I going to learn all this? And it's it's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It so it's uh it's pretty much all all dangerous except uh the only the only thing it needs now is a uh is a pre-written adventure to go to Hutton Orbital to get your free uh, anaconda and your mug and your mug yeah. got to get your mug <laughs> got to get your mug um but yeah and and I I think kind of that's that's a decent segue into the game mechanics because it's uh, challenging because it is a lot um yeah. one the one thing that really struck <laughs> me when we first started trying to like learn the system yeah. was that it really Knowing having having played games that are forty years old, mm-hmm. um, it felt like a forty year old game. It does. It really feels like a very old school, old style game. Um, that's not necessarily bad, but understanding that games from the seventies uh, and early eighties oftentimes went for a more simulation feel than any sort of, like, a narrative or heroic feel like a lot of your more modern games, like uh, Savage Worlds or Powered by the Apocalypse or something like that. Um, 
So you need to kind of be prepared for a lot of these rules to be very um, intricate. Yes. But the end result is you will get a very realistic representation of things. Yeah. I mean, we're we're stepping out of a time when... I mean, the, the 1970s was the heyday of game creation that stepped away from simulated table combat, World War One and, and, and World War Two, and even prior games, where you were basically doing tabletop wartime. Mm-hmm. So now you're doing it on a... You're bringing the scale even closer to an individual troop and making individual choices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to do that, they're following that rulescape, that designscape that comes from those systems that were, again, well-designed to try and mimic what you could do in large-scale field battles and still have the results and the math and everything kind of work out with all of the conditions. But now you're having to add in all these condition modifiers. So we're, we're stepping closer and closer to that, that finiteness while still having a sense of 2001 A Space Odyssey, of, of, a, of, these, of books of the time, of this operatic space design that is on the edge of your consciousness of what you want things to be, we haven't quite reached that heroic state. Right, right, right. Uh, one thing, one thing that, that, that like instantly grabbed me, though, that it does really super well is character creation. Yes. Um, I and, love it, honestly. Yeah, the character creation is, is amazing, albeit very time-consuming. Like everything else in, mm-hmm. in, in Traveler, it is extraordinarily detailed. Um, but that is because uh, it is a life path system. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, what we mean by that is uh, most character creation, like if you're familiar with 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, which mm-hmm. I think probably most of our listeners It's a are, good base to start are, from common day. Most of our, most of our listeners, yeah. I think pr- probably fair to say, are 5th edition D&D players. Yeah. Um, you you kind of roll up your character and you'll make them first level and you know may, maybe then you're gonna make them you know you're gonna like level them up to fifth level or whatever for the campaign. Sure. So you just kind of go through your thing and you're like, okay, I just add on all the abilities that they gain up to fifth level and I'm ready to go. And the only thing that you have as far as like a background or a history goes is a whatever you just write up or b whatever you pick for your character's background mm-hmm. thing. You know, right. and that just gives them a couple skills and maybe a language and, and like a piece of equipment. And what I feel about that particularly mm-hmm. is that game systems prior to fifth edition, um, not in the D and D genre because I don't, it never really weighed into that. Yeah, didn't talk about creating the character, mm-hmm. not the attitude, not the demeanor. Although some systems did include demeanor, mm-hmm. and you know whether uh, White Wolf was very good about that, yep. and it it did start relatively early on as mm-hmm. well. Um, but it never really helped you design your character. Right, right. Um, funny enough, this system and its creators helped move forward to create the system that created TMNT. Oh, really? Yeah, there's, there's a direct line in the sand that went right to it. Oh, interesting. So interesting. this whole life okay. path concept actually pregenerates to this. And, okay. and so, okay. which is why I, when I started looking at it, I'm like, this reminds me so much of creating a character in TMNT. It does, yeah. Because you, if you have no idea what you want out of your character, maybe you have just a glimpse of like, you know, I, I kind of want to play a, a minor. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. Uh, do you have any other ideas? No. Okay. Where would you think you might have started? Like, give me a career you think you might have started in before you became a minor. Um... I don't know. Was I a farmer? Sure. Let's let's go that direction. Mm-hmm. And the game, as we're as we're talking about it here, literally helps walks you through that. And there are mechanics, dice mechanics, yeah, that you have to follow to continue. Now you don't have to. Mm-hmm. That there are subset of rules to get around this. Let's not say that this is a requirement. Um, but it lended to the concept that much later on, a lot of players said, you can die in character creation. Well, in early editions, you could. You, you, now, mind you, the one we're talking about, second edition, the yeah. most recent one yeah. uh, from Mongoose Publishing, you can't. You you still can if you want to play the hardcore edition of it. Uh, yeah, I guess I there guess are, there are some, some alternate rules. There are. I kind of want to. <laughs> uh, but... But that doesn't mean you can't like lose a limb or something no, like that. Like that's I mean, the neat part going about through it. there. Like you can you can have so what what the character creation system does is it takes you through four year periods of your life. Um called what was it terms? I think so. I think it was called terms. I think it's terms. Um, so you go through these these four year terms, mm-hmm. um, and essentially you're going to try to 
hold down a career mm-hmm. for those, um, or maybe just get out of a career. You maybe, yeah. maybe at a certain point you literally want to retire out of a career. Mm-hmm. Maybe at a certain point you get drafted by the military. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but there are a number of random charts that you're going to roll on. Uh, typically, it's one d six or two d six. You're going to be rolling, yep. and uh, you'll start out with some base stats, mm-hmm. and that's you as basically a young eighteen year old whippersnapper. Mm-hmm. All right, you go into your first term. Mm-hmm. And you say, okay, well, I want to be a, uh, like you said, a, a, an asteroid miner. Sure. I'm going to be a belter. Yeah. Okay, cool. So there are like, well, it's a very physically demanding thing. So the first thing we need to know is if you're going to survive as a belter, roll your endurance. Mm-hmm. Your first thing, in character creation, you're already doing stat checks. Yep. Roll an endurance check. Okay, passed it. Cool. You are endurant enough to be a miner for at least these four years. How well do you do? We're going to make an advancement check. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see, so like, do you get extra benefits out of being a belter? Yep. Um, and then it just kind of goes from there. Like you, it, there, There's phases you kind of go through for each term where you'll pick up skills. You may pick up some resources. There may be mishaps that mm-hmm. happen where like, sure, yeah, you're actually a really successful belter, but uh, you had a mishap and uh, your arm got crushed. Minus four to strength. Yep. But you can buy that off if you get a cybernetic arm, but that's mm-hmm. going to put you into debt, but you're not going to have the minus four to strength, you right. know? And it's this real swing back and forth of ups and downs, and yeah. it really pretty accurately represents how life kind of goes. Yeah, because Some... at times you, you, maybe you started as a belter, you then go to be like a mail courier, you know, and actually deliver mail, and you're very good at it. In fact, because it comes with a pension, it pays off the debt for your arm yeah. and leaves you with a little bit of funding, mm-hmm. you know, a, a pension, if you will, that you now have afterward. But then you went and did military work and got pulled in for something else, and this just continues. Now, the reason why you can die in character creation, at least the way it used to be, was you chose if you wanted to keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, at this point, in your, you, you hadn't reached game point in your life. You know, like, well, actually, I, I want my character to be a little older, so I'm, I'm going to push for one more. Yep. And maybe that next one... Was the one that gets you. The one that gets you, and now your character dies. Yeah. Because you didn't make it through that career. Uh, and what I what I really like too is that after a certain after after four terms I think it is once yeah. you're getting your fifth and sixth term and stuff like that old age starts taking yes. effect yes uh, and like your knees just aren't yep doing yep. what they used to and your back and... but the benefits are great but the benefits are great yeah, yeah. you start getting a lot of extra skill points I, think, I would love to so. see this as an add on to other game systems I would love D and D to be able to have like an older design mm-hmm. where you literally have like. I was a careered uh, soldier, okay? You get, you know, if you succeed and you did good at it, you know, you get instead of one level in fighter for free at the beginning of the game, you get three levels in fighter at the beginning of the game for free, mm-hmm. but you are at a minus four to con. Yeah. Because it, it wore you down, mm-hmm. you know? And you have a, a injury which uh, cuts your awareness by, a, your, any awareness checks are by a, at a minus one. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you had money, yeah. So you have a, you have a steady income from whatever you know group you got money, for, you know, government for, and you get a plus one longsword on top of it. Exactly, you have extra gear. Elastic, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I think those kind of things would be awesome because you could actually play out previous adventures, and a lot of times with this, it gives you instant connections with the other players. You can say, hey. I was a belter in, you know, in my 30s in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were a belter, too. Maybe you worked on the same belt. Yeah. And now you have stories mm-hmm. that you could throw together, and that makes connections. And the reason why your group is together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you actually you actually uh, pick up skills off of that, too. Yeah. Uh, so there's a, there's a whole phase of character creation where, uh, much like our other beloved systems, you mingle your characters, and you both pick up skills off of it and such like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um. Other than character creation, though, I mean, uh, pretty much everything in the game is, uh, game, game mechanics-wise, it's not too tough. Um, you're rolling 2d6 for pretty much everything. Uh, your uh, plus or minus modifiers, uh, so your attributes will modify things, your skills will modify things, circumstances will modify things. Um, all that is going to change your number and your aiming typically for an 8. Hmm. Um Easier stuff is going to be lower, and um, harder stuff is going to be higher than 8, but 
your pretty much every roll is 2d6 plus or minus modifiers, target number 8. Yes. Straightforward, which I love. However, the modifiers. The modifiers always get you. Uh, There's also Banes and and Boons. Yes, Banes and Um, Boons. We'll get to those and where they fit in. Well, they they, they fit in pretty pretty easily. It's it's just you add an extra die. If it's a a Bane, you'd roll 3d6 and you take the lowest two. If it's a Boon, it's 3d6, you take the higher two. Yes. Yeah. So where they come in, we'll talk about it's it's kind of advantage and disadvantage for for traveler. Yeah, yeah, and and where they fit in make actually a lot of sense. Yes, yes. I think more sense than a lot of games that do the advantage and disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Um, so stepping away from just the straight up things, you've got modifiers from uh that derive from the the current uh values. Your damage dealt stuff, so like if you're injured, uh, if your attributes are sli- sliding, uh, cybernetics can add to that, and uh, psionics can tweak it depending on what's going on with the situation. Mm-hmm. But modifiers are the biggest thing of of are you modifying and where you're modifying can get very convoluted very quickly. Yes. Whether it's armor, whether it's cover, whether it's uh, situational, whether uh, injury has a huge part of that. All of those fit into it, and in that way, it feels kind of like Shadowrun mm-hmm. uh, in the way they handle their modifiers, where you've got to know. Yeah. You've got to yeah. be connected with those modifiers. But I don't think it goes nearly to the depth that Shadowrun did, in, especially in 2nd Edition. Um, I think it f- still sits at a level where it's complicated, but not so far that you have to focus on it. I think, I think though, uh, to um, a lot of traveler, uh, you have to kind of look at as a uh, as a toolkit rather than um, hard rules that you must use. Um, Where they situationally need to fit in the story, I think, is what's important. Yeah, yeah. For so you know, kind of like how we use encumbrance in in D anD D fifth edition. You know, a lot of the rules do feel that most, way. Most of us we just ignore it because it's tedious to deal with it, unless you're trying to like you know heave, you know, 500 pounds of stone onto your back, then I'm going to start worrying about encumbrance. Or you know? or if it becomes situationally necessary for the story. Like, one of the yeah. big things that Traveler does is maybe you have to pack extra people into your ship. So now you have to concern yourself with life support mm-hmm. and how well it's going to be able to handle the extra bodies that it's not really calculated to handle. Yeah, yeah, You know, exactly. how long do you have to go? Do you have too much cargo? Is that going to affect your ship's travel and thrust Mm -hmm. like all those things come into play um and i think that's where when a challenge comes into play they at least have the rules necessary for it um i like the way they handled combat in right off the bat initiative can either be dex or intelligence right and i thought that was i'm like why aren't we doing that Uh, i don't know because you look at it you're like if i'm an intelligent person i can plan Mm-hmm. I can coordinate and I can handle the situation. It doesn't matter if I'm faster than them. But if I'm really faster than the smarter person, sure, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, but I like that. I like the cunning aspect can outweigh someone who's just strong and okay yeah, at dex. Man. High enough intelligence. You can you can take one good look at the at the battlefield and go, "Oh, I can see how this is going to play out." Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. Know? I love it. And that right there is a good enough initiative bonus to me. Yeah. Um, and I I don't mind that basic combat. I'm not going to go into I'm not going to step into the other combats, but basically a player to player combat, uh an ambush is just a straight modifier. Mhm. And the game system as a whole doesn't say whether that's modifiers only to initiative or to everything. But like a lot of people play it with, it affects everything. It's a negative six to everything. Yeah, because you're you're startled. Yeah. So no matter what you're trying to do, you're down. All of a sudden, there are lasers everywhere. You're mm-hmm. not going to be able to, you know, calmly grab your laser pistol and start returning fire. But then they immediately step right back into things that I think are fantastic. Tactics are part of the setup for each round. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've got some, one person gets to roll a tactics. Because they're they're directing people, and that can create a bonus or not, mm-hmm. which is great. I think that's great because it also gives you the weight of someone being a crappy commander mm-hmm. or making a bad command decision, you know. And I think to a degree, it helps kind of pull back from the every person is an island doing their own thing in combat. Yeah, yeah, and that's I, it helps direct who is the statistician for the you know or, or the tactician for the group. Um, leadership is another thing. It's outside of the tactics 
where you're where it kind of fulfills the role of of charisma, if you will, and getting people to to lean into and do things. This is where banes and boons come from. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're a good leader, you're giving you're able to give uh, boons to players, not to yourself, but to players. Well, who are doing well. Whereas if you screw up on your leadership, the other team gets to throw banes. And, you know, the NPCs get to throw Banes, the storyteller throws Banes at you. And I think that's even greater. Oh, I think, yeah, yeah, bad you, tactical decision. Well, bad tactical or bad leadership in this case. Yeah. You know, and and I, I you know, y- you can see where that comes off in stories and cinema really well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I think that this adds that element to the game that now you, now leadership means something. Again, you're not an island. You're not, you're not going to be the sole survivor of this combat pissed off at your group because your healer didn't do the right thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. now you've got leadership and tacti- you know, tacticals that have to go into that. And those carry almost more weight than the fate roles of an individual. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's fantastic. Team teamwork honestly plays such a big, uh, a big role in this across the board because you start getting into your, like your ship actions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like um, where, where it really struck me was ship combat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, I, I know you coming from a 7C background really love the idea of ship to ship combat. Um, but we're not talking about, uh, ships on the high seas. We're talking about ships out in the black, but you get a lot of the same sort of stuff. Exceptionally the same. You get your, your gunners are trying to, you know, pin down things. Your pilot is trying to steady the ship, uh, trying, trying to balance maneuvering the ship for invasive maneuvers mm-hmm. and keeping their opponent where they need them for to to get clear shots on them. Yep. But also steadying the ship enough that the gunner can get yep. a clean shot. Correct. You've got a sensors person who's trying to get sensors lock mm-hmm. or trying to also do electronic warfare mm-hmm. or counter warfare. Yep. Trying to keep their sensors from scrambling your own. Mm-hmm. Um Everybody has a position. Engineers who who can can eke out little bits more for you know if you need an extra thrust point or overdrive things, yeah, and, or yeah. control things or save things or repair things. Exactly. Uh, so there's there's a lot. Everybody is doing something in combat, and it all feels vital. Mm-hmm. You know, it's never just oh who's got the guns. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, <laughs> congratulations. You get to do everything for the next five rounds. Nope. Every, no. Everything feels real. Every feel, Everyone feels important, whether it's physical combat or whether it's ship combat. They've, they've pushed that envelope a little further. Mm-hmm. And by making healing challenging... Oh, yeah. They added a whole other element to that. Yeah, I mean it's it's a very realistic system. I mean, yeah. you've, st- you've still got some space age technology, but it's not it's not D and D heal spells. Yeah, you know, but, which is interesting because I I think one rule that they have in it, which I immediately when I saw, I was like, holy crap, that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. I I kind of had to back off on that a little bit because it's you have one minute to administer first aid. Mm-hmm. It's six seconds around, so you've got ten rounds to get to somebody to start administering successfully first aid. Yep. And that's going to take time. It's not instantaneous. Mm-hmm. Skill checks have a timer on them. Yes. Which is neat, to say the least, and that that's accommodated in combat. Yeah. That's something that common systems don't just do. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't expect you to do a skill check in game that isn't instantaneous. Mm-hmm. You know? And so having that as a risk is, is huge. It's fact, absolutely you, huge. You can, in, in fact, there's a there's a system in place too for like doing things quicker than the skill says it should be done yeah. by taking a negative modifier to it because you're rushing the job. Mm-hmm. You um, know, but you might be able to help them and stem bleeding, stem injury. Mm-hmm. I mean, technically, you can even do surgery during combat to try and recover somebody. Yeah, if you really wanted to, you but could, it's but... risky as hell. Oh yeah. Um, now, what, one of the cool things about uh, about combat too is that in Traveler you don't have hit points. Yes, you, as an individual you player, don't, you, you don't don't properly have hit points. That is true. That is true. Um, so basically, everything is stat damage, and I thought that was really neat. I, I like it. I um, really like it. So when you take a hit, you take that hit like directly to your endurance or mm-hmm. directly to I think it's your endurance, endurance first. first, and then it dips into dexterity and strength. But your choice. Um, but your choice. Uh, and some house rules say you can split them, so you're yeah. not doing one or the other right. like, down to zero. Um, but keeping in mind that um, all of your stats, very very much like in uh, in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, or, or actually the last, last several versions of Dungeons & Dragons, um, you have a, a stat or a, a, a modifier to your dice 
based on what your current stat is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in D&D, that's like an 18 strength gives you a plus four to your strength checks, yes. right? Yes. But a 12 strength only gives you a plus one. Right. Traveler does something very similar, mm-hmm. where depending on how high or low your stat is, you'll get a plus or a minus to uh, affected rolls. Yeah. And so because all your damage goes directly to your stats, you end up with a organic loss of, of efficiency mm-hmm. as your stats get lowered by damage. Yeah, it's not just like in D&D where you're literally still gunning 100% all the way until you're down to zero hit points. On all six cylinders, yep, at one hit point. You know, whereas like in uh, in more heroic games like 7C, as you spiral down, yes, you have detriments, but at the same time, that envelope of heroism goes higher. Mm-hmm. You, you, you end up being able to do more heroic things. You're pushing yourself to the edge, basically. Yes. Um, so it's interesting that they went, you know, that they're definitely the, the gritty side of that. And I kind of really like that. I would love to see a more gritty D&D house rule where basically as you take percentages of your damage, it drops your con. Mm. That has to be then he- recovered. I've I've got some opinions on that, but now is not the time to. No, it's to get into I, that, I, I think I, we could. I, I still contend that hit points in D and D do not represent damage; they represent uh, uh, endurance. I, I agree. I agree. But could you imagine you go down to zero, right? Mm-hmm. And instead of going unconscious, you have to start taking stats. Yep. Yep. That comes off of stats. You literally lose yep. stats. There was uh, back in the day the uh, when when that that big push for D twenty stuff mm-hmm. came out with the 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 open three point SRD yeah yeah um, there was a Call of Cthulhu uh, D twenty version and mm-hmm. I picked that up and uh, I really liked that a lot of the spells that were available in the game um, could kind of be learned by anyone if you were mad enough to to learn magic um, from these from these forbidden secrets. Mm-hmm. Um, and so since you didn't, they didn't take spell slots or anything because you weren't typically like a wizard class or anything right. like that. They just did stat damage to you. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you can you can cast that, but it's a D4 intelligence damage every single time you cast it. Mm-hmm. Go Keep going as long as your brain can hold out, you know. Now, this one just saps your strength. So it's D6 strength damage. Just, yeah. you know. Yeah. How long? How long you want to do this? So, I mean, the game goes into uh, beyond this. I mean, when we're talking about ship to ship combat, they've got everything. You know, missiles are exceptionally dangerous oh, and well mis- thought out. Of again, cool. reminded me a, a lot about uh, uh, BattleTech mm-hmm. and some of how some of that carried over, or even Palladium's rules on on missiles. Um, damage and soak is another thing that I find interesting. Okay. Um, the way they handled armor and cover. In the same breadth. Cover doesn't give you uh, minuses to hit. It just adds to your armor value. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was fantastic. That makes sense. Because you can penetrate cover. Correct. Yep. So, but the thing is, is that my two hit, if I hit you successfully enough beyond my damage, I will always do health damage. Mm-hmm. I will always be able to hit point damage. Even if you're wearing full-on power armor, I have found a chink in your armor Mm -hmm. and can always eke through that. So the the greatest sniper can put a hole through your visor. And I do do like that that cover basically just adds extra armor to you because, like, I always find it a little weird that it's like, you can't hit that man with your sniper rifle. He's behind drywall. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And, and, and you know, it soaks, but it's not going to soak everything. Yeah. At the same time time like yeah how many actual people who've gone through careers can throw up a pan and shoot off of it to bounce it off the wall to hit you behind full cover mm-hmm. great yeah you're a god yeah that that's not what this game is showing off right, this game right. is showing off that if you get behind a concrete wall with your buddy and a guy pulls out a heavy uh rail gun and just starts laying into that cover mm-hmm. he may not be able to get to you he he might not, but he, there's a good chance eventually some of those rounds are going to go through and tear you apart. Yep, and that's the difference. That's the key difference there. Yeah, and I, I think I think I I like uh, overall where where Traveler's Combat sits in its game system. Yeah, uh, just from the standpoint of it is it is brutal. Yeah, it is brutal it is and very it is brutal. deadly. And when you've got a system that is brutal and deadly with their combat like that, it. It makes you reconsider wanting to get into combat, especially on ships. 
especially on ships. The when... fact that they literally say people don't carry guns into ship-to-ship combat. Mm-hmm. When they do a boarding action, they use swords. Yes. Because everybody knows how dangerous that is. That reminded me a lot of Battletuck. Yeah. A lot of Battletuck, because you had the same rule in Battletuck. Yeah, like, you, you go onto an enemy ship and fire a round off, uh, you may pierce right through the hull, because the outside is protected, the inside is not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what I'm, what I'm getting at, though, is that the... Uh, uh, it makes you think twice about wanting to get into combat, and what that does is that teaches the player and the game master, I suppose, too, that the focus of this game is not combat. Correct. The focus of this game is the exploration, the uh, interstellar politics, mm-hmm. the the just the, the freedom of being in your own ship and out there and exploring and such like that, and and drawing you, saying like, okay, yeah, I mean, you you can get into combat, but like people will die. It might be you. You don't know, you know. So when pistols get drawn or whatever, it's it's a very serious endeavor, you know. Mm-hmm. And you may you may want to rabbit just as much as you may want to stand your ground, depending on uh, on how things are. So um, one of the things I want to talk about too is just kind of the whole idea of the ship. Yeah, um, because it's it's kind of a I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's unique necessarily, but it, it's very ingrained into the system mm-hmm. um much like how the combat makes its place in the in the the the, the overall game system very apparent mm-hmm. is you may not want to do this right the ship in and of itself also makes itself kind of the centerpiece of everything yeah um i mean it's all in the name it's traveler you know mm-hmm. traveling throughout the universe is done via ship and whether you own yours or whether you um, you have it on loan and the bank is trying to chase you down across the universe because you haven't paid your bill. Yep. Or you are the crew of a proud and prestigious military ship or mm-hmm. whatever story you're telling, the ship is almost in and of itself its own character. Mm-hmm. You know, think of other stories where you've got this, like Battlestar Galactica, named after the ship, mm-hmm. the Battlestar galactica mm-hmm. um you've got uh the serenity from firefly mm-hmm. uh, the millennium falcon very from, much so uh from uh, star wars um <laughs> i mean so many of these spacefaring adventures where the ship in and of itself is almost the neck like a character 2001 yeah 2010 not not that it has a necessarily a personality or that it takes part in any sort of social interactions but but it's oftentimes the focus of um, of the story. It's yeah. oftentimes the, fo- the the generator of a lot of its own plot hooks in that it I mean, needs fuel and repair. Star Trek. Star Trek, yeah. It's a whole, any, pick any of them. Yeah, exactly. The, the, the ship had so many places where it became a centerpiece to the story. Exactly. Um, and so I think that's one of the really cool things about uh, about Traveler in and of itself is that it's kind of got this built-in story mechanic to it. And you're really going to... And, and, and the great thing is is that the, the, the game system does take the time and the care to really flesh out its ships. Um, they, they've got a lot of, like, uh, floor plans and, you know, maps, blueprints, that sort of thing of, of the various ship types. Um uh, they're all statted out, ship to ship combat and spacefaring and stuff. That is a very important integral uh, set of the rules and mm-hmm. whatnot. So there's there's a lot of attention given to that, and so you're gonna feel right at home, um, just having your own ship. And you're gonna start. You're gonna find whether you want to or not. You're gonna start caring about that thing. You know. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna. We need to bring this down there there is i i will flat out say this there's so much yeah this game when we looked into it had uh all so much research to be done on it there's so much to review and there is actually some great resources out there but i kind of want to get into the what does it well what doesn't do well yeah yeah definitely, uh, and our definitely. final thoughts before we kind of get to some questions because we do have some questions we do have some questions yeah um i personally feel it is space opera at its finest it's got the detailed connections a cinematic feel and still is gritty Mm-hmm. I think it fits all of that very comfortably. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really like the fact that um, 
it's it's a very mechanical system, but it's also very modular uh, in that you can kind of decide where your level of granularity is. Mm-hmm. Um, you can decide how far you want to go. If you yeah. really want to get into like full on simulation, or if you want to kind of just play fast and loose with the rules and play a little more heroic. Yeah. Uh, you've got optional rules for aliens, for psionics, and things yep. like that. So you can play all over the spectrum. Yeah, I like that if you are uncomfortable with creating a character, you don't know where to start or you don't know how to progress through it. It already did it, that for you. It's already it's it's just roll on some charts, super man. Super easy, barely. We uh, will give you well <laughs> thirty years of history. Yep. Roll yep. on these charts right here. We'll exactly. I'll tell you right down to the minute what your character was doing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um. Yeah, and uh, honestly, it's it's just got a lot of uh, like a lot of uh, verticality to it. Uh, the, there's a framework for our universe, um, for for other universes that are you know just uh, you can go as high or low on the technology levels as you want. Um, there's just so much flexibility in this in the stories you can tell with that. Yeah, yeah, it's really really nice. Um, so where where do we where do we fall short here a little bit? Um, I would say it is a. Yeah. <sighs> There's so much minutia that is built into the basic rules mm-hmm. that it feels very overwhelming. I could see this overwhelming uh, somebody moving from D and D, oh yeah, or, or yeah. even like a fate system would be terrifying. Stepping into this, yeah, yeah. Even even with my background in Palladium, uh, I I found it very daunting. Yeah, to, to try to learn, you you, I, you have to have a drive going into this. Uh, in in conversely too, uh, a lot of times the rules um, are a little. Uh, inconsistent. Sometimes they're granular down to, uh, you know, uh, if 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 you're too many pounds of this, it's plus one to that, and you know, et cetera, sure. et cetera. And you get really simulation style. But then there's there's other things you you would think they would flush out, like marine boarding actions. Oh God! And they God. just kind of don't. Yeah, you Not at all. you you can do marine boarding actions. Roll two d six, and uh, yeah, they do okay. Yeah. But oh, what if I want to do it as my character? Oh, yeah, we, we're going to put that in the rules. It's going to be in this other book. Oh, yeah, it's totally in this book. Mm-hmm. It is not. It is not. It is not. <laughs> they, um, they missed that section. Yeah, there, there's there's some places where some pretty obvious questions just don't, just don't get answered. But, yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, no, I, so final final thoughts on the system. Um, uh, I, I could actually see myself, uh, and we, we were kind of discussing yeah, we this. Yeah, kind of like, were. I could see myself maybe not running this, but definitely playing it and having mm-hmm. a great time with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you were mentioning possibly using this as a backbone for uh, the out-of-battle-mech stuff for a Battletech game. Yes, yes. And I think it would fit perfectly for that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'd, what I'd want to do is I'd want to do a side-by-side of this and the Battletech, uh, the Mech Warrior rules. Yes, um, just to see where because they, they've also got like a life path system. Very much so. Like that, yeah, so. I was I was kind of doing a little bit of research on that, but I, I feel there's a lot of interesting weight between there, them. There, look, if if you told me we were doing Traveler for it, I'd be like, okay, yeah, like no no questions asked. Yeah, um, I I want to personally see how well I could do something with the creation method mm-hmm. in other systems. Yeah, because Seven C kind of had this in original where you could actually do a a fate card of what your life was like. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool, but I feel like there could be more done there. I feel like you could do some neat stuff with that. Yeah. Um, but again, also the whole life in danger is very, very apparent. Yeah. And that's yeah. something you could easily adapt into other systems. I think it's it's I, it really just leaves you with a, with a really great feel of uh you know being out there in the black is a is 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 full of adventure, yep. but fraught with danger. Yep. Fortune and 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 fate are both in the balance there. Yeah. And again, I'm going to say this: we have barely scratched the surface of this. Yeah, I, mean, I, I. If you're interested, get out there. There's plenty of information for this, uh, and great communities. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Still very active message boards, and yeah. it's fantastic. Uh, oh. Just let them know which system edition you're running in, and they'll they'll <laughs> they'll help you. All right, we do have good questions. All right, uh, do you want to pick up first one or go ahead? All right, uh, so we're going to start with Knox in the box as usual. Okay. Um, so Knox asks, uh, with character creation being so amazing and detailed, albeit random, mm-hmm. it could be quite a lengthy little origin story just for that one player. If we're encouraged to create characters as a group and possibly interweave them with other characters, what are some ways to seamlessly fit all the players' journeys, both timely and cohesively? 
Personally, I, I think it's a matter of finding the connection points. Yeah. I, 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 I don't think it has to be so blatant as like, oh, my character had, I was a, a miner and a belter, and you were a miner and a belter at a time, so therefore we're connected by that. And then this other person we I met in the military, because they were in the military, I, I think you can have a story per connection. Mm-hmm. And some of those connections can be lighter than that, meaning maybe someone was a a cargo uh, a shipper or something like that, and yeah. another person in the military, and they connected there, passing through the same gate over and over again. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they were just like, you constantly scanned my cargo. I recognized your voice. We eventually met at a station because I, I heard you at the bar talking. Yeah, we got a beer one time. Yeah, and we talked about some of the stuff yeah. that, that happened. Um, and I think that's the simplicity that can go on, and I think that's where a storyteller can help players who are not comfortable figuring those connections out. Yeah. Yeah. Give them the yes and stories of, hey, uh, so you were a belter and uh, you were in the military. Uh, there was a skirmish that happened just outside of the belt. Why don't you tell me what happened, belter? Mm-hmm. And, and, and start pulling the story together. But even, even more than that, though, um, especially in Traveler, where you've got this elaborate life path system, you end up with so much more detail than just, I was a belter for four years. Right. You end up with, with mishaps or um, advancements or possibly you washed out of the, of the profession. or mm-hmm. But you, you end up with, because of the random roles, events that happened while you were there. So, yeah. you know, like I said, you maybe, you know, there was an, you were an excellent belter, but there was just an accident one day and you got your arm crushed. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe while you were recovering and getting your cybernetic arm put in... You were going through a rough patch, and like your arm wasn't working right, and you weren't getting used to it, and acclim- 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 acclimated. Thank you uh, to it. All right, um, and uh, you know there was this other guy there who um, was just kind of became your friend during that rough time. You mm-hmm. know, there wasn't anything like huge, like you know, you stole a ship together, but you can do that too. Oh yeah, you know, there's a lo- there's so many because because each different. Um, section of your character creation is so detailed there's so many ways to fit stories together there i agree i agree um, i i think i think it falls more naturally than some of the other games uh the, the they they do suggest basically that everybody kind of does a session zero all together i agree um and uh, create your characters all at the same time all in the same room mm-hmm. so you can table talk you mm-hmm. can cross talk with one another yep. like hey uh anybody else in the military at this point in time like mm-hmm. oh yeah i am okay what do you what do you think we serve together like yeah that'd be cool all right mm-hmm. cool there's our connection you yep. know yep. no I, you can, I agree you can weave them live together you know yep yeah. Um, Matt Elf asks, the original edition of Traveler was something of a sandbox. Not a lot of specific setting material compared to the other games of its era. Uh, what's the draw or appeal over other games that you can set your own space opera sci-fi game in? I think for me, um, the real draw of Traveler over other space sci-fi games that I've looked into is the fact that Traveler is so streamlined um, for mm-hmm. telling a space opera story. Mm-hmm. It is a you know, a very elaborate toolkit, mm-hmm. almost dauntingly elaborate. Yes, but it is it is designed to do one thing and one thing only, mm-hmm. and that is tell every last detail of your space opera story for you. Yes. Um, and uh, we we've looked into a couple other ones. Yeah. Um, there's a couple Savage World settings mm-hmm. uh, that that we were looking into that are, but again, those are Savage Worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a generic system mm-hmm. with some specific stuff written for it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple other systems, but they they tend to kind of do what their own setting is. Yeah. Um, but I think Traveler Traveler is probably going to be the the cleanest. Um best tool for just about any space opera setting you're going to look for yeah you it has all of the pieces to review the questions that a storyteller would have of like okay um i'm i'm having these people start out in a very low-tech environment Mm -hmm. how does that affect the game it's there they've already got that yeah 
you know yep. will they be able to find these things you know what kind of what kind of items will they be able to find in this this tech world where there's basically just just fledgling off world travel just roll on this chart right mm-hmm. here yeah or or look at this tech level yeah. this is what you will find these are the costs you will find it at mm-hmm. you know and you know how much different is it when something from a higher tech comes in exceptionally military tech comes in tech level 12 versus a tech level 6 it's it's like tanks rolling into Rome. Mm-hmm. It it everybody knows it's terrifying. So it, it's already there in black and white. If you want to use their world, you can. If you don't, it's very easy to adapt. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, all right. So Overwatch asks: uh, Science fiction can be a unique animal in regards to role playing setting. Is there a story concept or campaign idea that you've thought about that needs a sci fi setting to really shine? Hmm. See, I've always felt that BattleTech lacked it, like lacked the they they had the setting. Mm-hmm. They just didn't have the mechanics to sit on the edge of it that to explain everything that they did so well in lore. Okay. And I felt that this kind of helps close that gap, even though they've kind of you know they went to a higher tech level with the whole Comstar piece. It didn't explain how you you had varied tech in there mm-hmm. and still had that level of things. And so I, I kind of like the way that this feels that out. At the same time, this, again, feels very much like Shadowrun in space, which I've loved the concept of megacorps and, you know, individual people trying to eke out their life in the dregs of society you know, uh, post-consumption mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and how to handle that. And this does a beautiful job of that. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I was, I was kind of talking, to, talking with Sean about this uh, a little bit um, as far as sci-fi settings that, uh, uh, or, or concepts for c- campaigns or whatnot that need the sci-fi uh, setting to, mm-hmm. to, to shine. Um, and I said, I, I think, you know, Traveler does a lot of different genres very, very well. Um, but if there are two that I really had to pick out, uh, I would love to play a Firefly-esque game, mm-hmm. uh, in that we are a ragtag band of misfits in a absolute busted jalopy, mm-hmm. puttering a Winnebago, through- Winnebago, if you will. Puttering through the ass end of the universe, mm-hmm. nothing on bon- Bondo and Mr. Fusion, you right. know. Right. <laughs> Uh, run, yeah. running on running on absolute fumes and just trying to take whatever crap, sh- probably very shady job mm-hmm. that we can get our hands on to get back out into the black and do it all over again. You know, yeah. Um, I'd love that, but conversely, I would love to swing that needle to the entire other side of the metronome mm-hmm. and uh, play a Mass Effect style game mm-hmm. where we have the the blazing holographic displays of the Normandy, mm-hmm. and uh, we've got you know biotic science. Uh, warriors on and we're we're the best and the brightest right we're the specters and we're gonna go out there and we're gonna fight the galactic threat of the reapers on our right own, which you know? is exceptional tech you know yeah yeah un, un, unknown i'm gonna give you one mm-hmm. stargate the Stargate. players play at a lower tech level, and the universe is the higher tech level. That could get interesting. So you've real got this quick. starship that you think is the shit, and you go out and discover. You're like, behold, my busted jalopy, and they're like, you flew here in this thing. <laughs> you still throw rocks at people. You, <laughs> like you made it. You made it a whole parsec in that. Yeah. One of my favorite things, and I, I want to say it was in Star Trek or, or or some sci-fi, was that you've got this, you know. Uh, you've got this alien race that comes in with their lasers and they're 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 super dangerous. And then literally the humans start firing rail guns and like you have to fire up their engines because there there's a result of of reaction and they don't know how to handle it because uh-huh. the universe is advanced into energy weapons. So like you're you're literally throwing rocks at us. Holy, we don't know how to handle this. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> there, there was a there was a story I was reading about that one. Oh, at one point, yeah. Uh, they, they were really thrown by the humans using slug throwers. But, yeah. Um, so next week, actually, as a kind of a continuation of this topic, yes. uh, we're going to be talking about space opera um, uh, games. So we're going to expand not only from Traveler, but to a lot of these other games yes. we were kind of discussing here at the end. We have a very special guest. We do. Uh, author and... Uh, uh, award-winning uh, author. Award-winning author and uh, YouTube uh, YouTube star Seth Skorkowski. Yes. Um, who, actually, a lot of his, uh, his videos helped us put together this uh, system spotlight for you. 
Uh, so you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. MixLR, uh, listen to us every week, uh, or, or, sorry, every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, you can find us at MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And join us up on our Discord. You can find the link uh, on our Twitter, as well as at our website, StorytellerConclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members, especially our named members, Knox in the Box, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, and Hulavu. You help us so much all the time. Our pre-show music uh, is Ar- by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. Our outro music, Only Our Footprints in the Sand, is by Midair Machine, and you can find them on freemusicarchive.org. And as, a, as always, a big shout-out to our families. Vicky and Sean, thank you so much for loving and supporting us. Thank All you. of our friends who've sat with us at our tables over the years to give us these great stories to share with you. And you, every single one of our listeners, we love you so much. Love you guys. Good Have night. a great night. Bye-bye. <laughs>